0: Music, news, entertainment—it's all right here. This is the Kelly Alexander Show.
1: Hey, it's Kelly, and welcome to the show. This week, we bring you our chat with the boys from British synth-pop band Years and Years, who have an incredible album out called Palo Santo. We also speak with our music editor Sharon Highland about Avril Lavigne's triumphant return. We check out new tunes from the Backstreet Boys, Jonas Blue and Imagine Dragons and we spend time with Canadian jazz musician, Andrea Superstein. But first, let's dig into our conversation with the guys from Years and Years when they were right here in Montreal for a concert. The
0: Kelly Alexander Show.
1: Very happy to welcome to the Kelly Alexander Show the boys from Years and Years. Hi guys. Hi. Hi. Oh, I like that. So you already, do you speak French? Because I know you're from May we, may we. Did you mm-hmm. actually have to learn that in school at all? Like, did you I learn French? I learned French
2: in school. I got A in okay. A level, but that was a long time ago. <laughs> a
1: long time ago. So, have you been to Montreal before? I don't think I've. I know this. Did you? We have. Okay. Yep. What's the coolest thing about Montreal? Do you ever get to explore it, or is it only been in it? This is a
2: show where I was. Yeah. You were sick. I was. Oh no. So I didn't get to see much of Montreal. Okay. But I've heard good things. Mm-hmm. I appreciated that there was a very large gay village.
1: There is, and it's not far from here. Oh, so, is it not? <laughs> it's not that far from here. Yeah, we went there last time. Last time? Okay. Do you guys have, like, in where you live in, I'm assuming London, is, uh, is it easier to get to? Like, do you guys embrace your gay village? Like, is it a popular tourist destination for just everybody? It
0: is, yeah, but uh, I suppose traditionally it's, it was Soho. Soho, which is like the middle of yep. London, which, and it used to be, like, kind of grimy, like sex shops, prostitutes, but then it found um, review bars. Loads of fun, but then it got cleaned up loads um, and like super, like loads of gentrification. So it's kind of just like. It's it's like like, pretz and. Yeah, a lot of pret-a-manger and like Costa Coffee, Starbucks. Yeah, Yeah, a
2: little like. Restaurants, and,
0: but yeah. yeah, there's there's still a loads of gay bars and everyone is Everybody, still yeah, like very time. gay friendly. Yeah. Do you
1: feel? Cause like I know here when we're in the village, like it's it's just a great place and a fun place to be, especially in the summer when it's Pride Month and all that kind of stuff. Do you feel like no matter which city you go to, you're always embraced by the gay community? I would hope so.
2: Yeah. Well,
0: I think. I mean, I hope so too. Yeah. I embraced is more of a bear hug. Like, <laughs> like,
3: we're lucky. Yeah, really lucky. There's
0: always
1: a
4: few flags at the
0: gigs. Yes. Okay. I always. I'm gonna start taking bets on like where, how soon the rainbow flag gets thrown onto the stage. That's amazing. And last night it got thrown onto the stage and I have this like big fan at the front of the stage and I was like flying the flag and the fan was blowing it out.
1: Um, we were actually, Jeffrey and I were at a Detroit Savannah concert just like two or three days ago. He was in Montreal. Yeah, yeah. And he uh, he said oh, that when God. he started the concert that he felt like it was a very safe place for his gay fans to be there. Oh. Do you feel like that, like you guys are a safe haven for maybe, because it was so great to see just you know, so many of the LGBTQ community come out to be a part of his fun night Because I feel like you guys would do that too, like make, make it a safe place. Yeah.
0: That is- yeah, that's super important to us, you know, to, you know, ever since we've been playing live shows and been on the road, like having the space to where people feel safe and they can celebrate and like be themselves and celebrate their identity no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always super important to us and just have a good time. And also because, you know, I think it's important as well because traditionally these spaces not you know, music venues aren't always necessarily the most inclusive for LGBT people, like, not yeah. always. So it's nice to be able to come and just be like, you can be yeah. yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. This is probably a question for you specifically, Ollie. When it comes to um, your fans, especially kids that are maybe just coming out or, or whatever, do you find it like challenging or, or a wonderful situation when someone comes to you and says, you've changed my life or you made me feel like it's okay to be me?
0: I mean, I always like appreciate someone sharing that with me. Like, I'm always just like, you know I know how personal and difficult those journeys are and they're different for everybody so if someone wants to like you know share something with me I just feel grateful and I'm just like happy that they feel able to do that you know and um I suppose if I like think about it too much it's quite it's very overwhelming because you know it just it just is. but it's, yeah. it's nice so yeah. I've
2: <laughs> changed my life thanks so
1: much <laughs> see you Already just today, everywhere I go. (laughs) (laughs) It's
2: made it okay to be me.
1: um, I I watched one of your other interviews that you guys did. You were talking about uh, some 90s artists, I think, or just like the influence of the 90s. We've lost a lot of 90s artists, I could say, over the last little while. I know that I was mm. devastated when George Michael, like, passed away. Like, it wrecked my Christmas, like, yeah, for two yeah. weeks. I was just, like, inconsolable. Um, who that has passed away recently, like a Michael Jackson, like a Prince, like a George Michael, like a Whitney, did, did they, like, did they inspire you guys for your sound? Because I know it always says that about you guys that you were inspired by 90s artists to some yeah. degree.
2: I mean, I definitely was, but... Um, it's, yeah, I mean... Yeah. It's strange to sort of have a chart of who you miss most Yeah. <laughs> people. But, uh, all of those people. I mean, I, I, actually me and Mikey were talking about George Michael the other day because a, a fan knows how much I love George Michael. <laughs> and she made me some George Michael earrings.
1: That's amazing. Which
2: is hard because I don't have pierced <laughs> ears. <laughs> the good um, ones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, George Michael Prince was a big one. I mean mm. David Bowie knocked you for six. I actually wept did yeah, put yeah, anything. Okay. Um, well, it's important. He's not really a 90 but Yeah. Well, well. Same with Prince. Same yeah. with, with George Michael. But um, Bill Paxton, Alan Rickman was a big one. Right.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs> not for so sure.
2: much an influence on ourselves, but Lisa Left Eye.
1: Oh my God! I, I also was devastated mm, when she passed I mean, away. That was a while. That was a while, was a while ago. ago. Two thousand one, I think. Mm-hmm. It's been a while, Brittany. Yeah. Um, if you could record with anybody now, like to have a feature with someone, who would it be?
0: Rihanna. Yeah. Prince's hologram. Michael Jackson. <laughs> Michael
1: Jackson? That's good. Um, I wanted to, <laughs> to ask you guys as well, when it came to writing this new album, I read that there was obviously sophomore uh, jinx pressure, I guess, not to have the sophomore jinx. Um, how did you guys settle yourselves down to just do it anyway?
0: We were contracting the vote. <laughs> okay, so
1: that's when, that was it?
0: We got two more. Yeah, you got two more to
1: get it done? Okay.
0: I think it's just like you just... It, it's like a very big mountain in front of you, you have to just start climbing it. You yeah. know what I mean? So we just like made a start, and then it was like trial and error, and we wrote loads and loads of songs, and eventually, you know, it starts to like take form.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but, sometimes you just gotta keep, you know, just gotta keep going. Keep hammering it. Yeah. At you get there. Did,
1: did some of those first songs that you recorded for the new album actually make it on?
0: All For You did. Okay. Almost didn't. Um, All For You was probably the earliest one. And then Palo Santo. I think those were the two only ones that made it, which is cool.
1: Now, in all the interviews that you guys have done, and even just with regards to your fans, has everybody embraced the Palo Santo like idea? Like, is it, has it been understandable to most of your fans?
2: Um, I don't know. Oh, I also don't, don't
1: understand.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I guess no. What is a Palo What even is a Palo um,
1: I guess. I don't know. Like, because would you consider this like really a concept album then, like, or is it kind of a mixture of
2: both? <laughs> well, it's I guess it's a it concept around. Yeah. yeah. I don't think the music is tied in with it. I don't think the song is about disturbing animals but, but it's yeah. The concept of Persephone as well wraps it all up, and then it, it hopefully translates into a live show that's mm. way more from, you know,
0: to fun for everyone. But it's also okay if you don't understand it. Like, that was also. I was just like I. I get that people probably like. Most people probably won't get it. Like mm. they'll just see it and be like, "That's cool," or, yeah.
1: or not."
2: Oh, you know? right. <laughs> uh, and that's, that's
1: fine. fine. <laughs> when you were sequencing the album, did you guys have like discussions about how that was gonna go? Because I know like for certain artists, it's really important okay. to, yeah. to sequence the album in a certain oh, yeah. specific way. Like,
2: is that how you? Wow. No. But <laughs> all the songs at the same time. <laughs> okay.
1: <good>. Wow. <laughs> um, do you guys? I know they're all your babies, but do you have a specific favorite album or song on the album?
0: I think my favorite, at least to do live at the moment, is probably Rendezvous. Okay. Because just, I feel like a witch summoning a, th- orgy. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
2: That's
1: the best description It's not a really
2: image. And to so be, timely for Halloween. It's that, man. You don't need to worry about all the witchy stuff. Get on grand. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: That's
1: awesome. Um, what's the coolest um, comment you've got from like a fellow, I'll call him colleague if you will, but someone in the music industry that said like, oh my god, you guys are hot. Like, what's, what should make the most to you?
4: Taylor Swift touched your shoulder, didn't she?
1: Actually, <laughs> Rihanna, Rihanna did say
0: to me, she said, my fans love you. My fans love <laughs> you. That is so... Compliment sandwich. It's not, it's, just... it's not quite the same as, I love you. But, <laughs> but people I don't know love you, is yeah. what she said. But she's she's protective of the Navy. That's right. her family.
2: The, the what? Navy. They're
1: called the, the Navy. Navy. The re- the re- I re- re- re-
2: like that. Navy right, Navy, right, right. right. Um, so that was pretty cool. That's very cool. Uh, Robert Plant once said, we played the same show as him and he, was at, and he went to him, I like your band mate, good band.
1: <laughs> that's good, <laughs> that's better. That's awesome. Um, when you guys are performing, I also wanted to ask you this, uh, do you actually see, especially when you're up front, Ollie, do you see a crowd or do you see individual faces? Um,
0: well, on this tour actually, because we're playing kind of more like clubs, mm-hmm. so you can kind of see everyone, and I like try and look into like as many people's eyes as possible, um, and it always looks so good from on stage because everyone like looks really happy, yeah. and that makes me happy, and then it's like transfer of happiness. Do you know what I mean? What do you mm-hmm. think? Then I get nervous. Happy. If I make eye contact, I feel embarrassed. Do you? Yeah, you don't want to make it too... Sometimes I look at people and they look away.
4: Do you, oh, they can't handle it? Ha- no, no, I, I look Ollie's away. looking at them. Okay. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Yesterday,
2: there was a girl, like, in tears, in eyes shut. Aww. Oh. And she saw me looking at her, and she was like...
1: <laughs> I'm <I'll> embarrassed. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like a cat. <laughs> What's the coolest experience being in, like, a, a club like this, or festivals? Like, or big arenas? Which do you guys prefer oh. to perform in? Because I know festivals have their... it's like a, their own beast. Yeah.
0: It's di- they're just different. Like it all depends. Every show is different. Like depending on like how we're feeling, but it always depends on the crowd and how the crowd's feeling. It's just like different every time. But in a festival, I guess you can you're playing like out more. It's mm-hmm. more like everything's like crazy. Whereas in a club or a more intimate setting, you can kind of I don't know. You feel everyone sort of vibe right a bit more, mm-hmm. um, which is special too. So. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And do you guys think that? Because um, I think I know you spent some time doing the album in Los Angeles or writing over yeah. there. Uh, would you ever need to move to North America, or are you happy to sort of stay where you guys are over in, in the UK? Because obviously you guys have amazing sounds and quality over there. You don't need to be in the US. But I know sometimes people feel the need to, to go to Los Angeles or go to New York just to, say, Done to it. make it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, we always threaten.
1: That like, you're gonna talk go? about it. I
0: feel like I'm. I might. Just, yeah, just okay. because.
1: For acting stuff, too, maybe?
0: Well, it's more just because I really like the lifestyle in LA okay. and the sunshine. <laughs>
1: That's important. <laughs> and... Because it's cloudy in London a lot, right? I would guess.
0: London's amazing, mm-hmm. but I feel like maybe it might have a change, but I wouldn't. I don't know if I'm doing it for. I don't
1: minutes.
0: Know. Yeah. Like, you're
2: married,
1: though, right? Like, I, am. So I am. she would she be? I
2: don't path? know. I think she oh, would like to move. But she's Canadian. i She's married to she? so a Canadian. So she'd want to move to Toronto. Okay. <laughs> the six uh, and hang out with 3 go up. <laughs> <laughs> Ton of uh, in-laws coming tonight. Oh my God! That yeah. Awesome. Um, I, yeah. No, I'm kind of feeling like oh, maybe a change from
1: London. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, what do you guys feel about? Because you know, over the last several years, I mean, obviously, UK artists have always been huge, but over the last while, especially in top 40 radio, you know, the Adels of the world, the Sam Smiths of the world, the You guys of the world, like the list goes on and on about how many great, talented artists are coming out of there. Do you guys, um, as a whole, do you feel like protective of each other, or supportive of each other of those acts? Like, I don't know if you ever hang out with them, but. You know, because I know in the Canadian music scene, a lot of them are friends with each other because it's like a yeah. smaller industry. So, do you guys feel that way and protective and, and supportive? Almost like you're, you're on the Olympic team, you know what I mean? Oh. <laughs> I mean, I guess we don't we don't really. I, I mean,
0: yes, obviously, it's always so nice to see another, you know, artist do well. But I guess over
2: here, it's. It, I don't know. I feel like. I mean, I, I love Sansford because we supported him early on in mm-hmm. our career. Mm-hmm. Um, and having met him? He was just a really lovely guy. Okay. Yeah, sounds great. And um, and so like in that sense, yes. But but um. But we don't really like hang out. We're just not really in situations <laughs> yeah,
0: with there's no, okay, like, okay. We're not big enough to be like, hey, what's up, Adele, and you know. <laughs> but I, I do think love you guys are big
1: enough. Do you guys ever hang out at award shows? Because I know you got you guys have been nominated. Uh, for Brit Awards and, and a bunch of other stuff, too. Do you like award shows? Because I know, for example, that like, Justin Bieber hates them, hates award shows. Uh, he yeah. thinks it's all fake and, and it's, you know, all plastic Hollywood stuff. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just oh, wondering... Justin Bieber thinks it's fake. Just, yeah, he's okay. not a big fan no, of it. Right, right, um, right. Or he wasn't in the past. He
0: probably goes to so many, though. He yeah, we well, only go to one
1: right, okay. a year. So okay. if, we're <laughs> much.
0: if we're lucky. <laughs> if we're allowed. And then we don't win anything, anyway. <laughs> so. But I'm not bitter about it. No, you're
1: not. <laughs> if you would go, to like, have you, you guys haven't been to the Grammys, I'm sure you'll be going, but would What's you... a Grammy? <laughs> a grammy? <laughs> I personally
0: love award shows, so... Yeah, yes. me
1: too, like, I think, and I feel like if you're in the industry, like, it would be cool to say, like, hello to Ed Sheeran or hello... i said
2: hello like Adele hotel at the Brits. Oh, so oh, that's hotel. true, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah
1: <laughs> Oh, that was them it. That's, That's fine. Um, I want to play a little game with you before we go uh, called Do You Know Your Bro. Wow.
2: So questions Uh-oh. about
1: each other. Do you think you can do this? Oh, you guys are my brothers. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> We're always throwing out. So whoever. So it's either. Uh, um, so everyone but Ollie gets to answer this question, So whoever um. answers first. So who is Ollie's favorite artist or band? Rihanna.
2: Yeah. it right. is probably Rihanna. Okay. Cool.
1: Um, what is Mikey's shoe size?
2: Ooh. Oh, he's got absolutely huge feet.
0: 11 or 12? 14?
1: No, it's not 14. I think it's 11. It's 11! 11. There we go.
0: Big feet, ladies, big feet, uh, big shoes. There's a lot going on.
1: The girlfriend's happy. Uh, What is Emery's favourite meal or comfort food?
2: Oh, he loves (laughs) microwave lasagna. Do Do you really? Do you have like
1: a brand? Like a Stouffer's? No.
2: The worst worst it is. is? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the worst, the best. <laughs> okay, that's
1: cool. good. If Ollie had the chance to fly to the moon or go to the de- deepest depths of the ocean, which adventure would he take?
2: Uh, he'd be a um, moon um, guy. Moon. Moon gap, oh, moon,
1: moon, cool. Yeah, Good view. Um, if Mikey had a choice, would he sleep in the or with pajamas on?
2: Oh, In the pajamas. P- pajamas. yeah. See, my Pajama.
1: better half is actually like Irish, so she uses that word. That oh, so that's easy? naked, yeah. Naked. Yeah, naked.
2: Oh, uh, exactly. you got pajamas. pajamas. Pajamas,
1: okay. Um, silk. Yeah, you had a silk. <laughs> 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 uh, Just once. Is every right or left handed? Left.
2: No, I'm not. Oh, you're right handed! Left footed, left footed, okay. but right handed. Oh, of course
1: you are. Are any of you left handed? <laughs> Do we have any left
0: handed people? No. No. I wish I so was.
1: I feel like left-handed is so, tough. Being left-handed, I'm left-handed. It's uh, a tough because the world is not made for us. Yeah. Victoria, are you left-handed? I am. You know,
2: I found out recently that in um, Polish, uh, my actually my father-in-law said that he was left-handed, but it was like drummed no. out of him. Yeah, school. they used to beat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My uh, one of my teachers oh. said that
1: happened too. Yeah, beat the crap out of him to be right-handed. So I'm glad they don't do that anymore. Yeah. Before I let you go, last question: uh, What do you want people to know about you guys the most? Like, what if somebody says years and years, like. What do you want people to take away from that in the grand yeah. scheme of things?
4: Um, like, what
1: do you good bring?
2: Songs. To? Good songs. Good okay. songs? Uh, good hair. <laughs> no. good. good Bad, bad. Like um, when all
1: is said and done, what do you want people to remember Like years ago? Like when we did. Yeah. Uh.
0: We, da- we dance to the beat of our own drum. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's good. Drum machine. Drum machine. <laughs> dance to the beat of our own drum
1: machine. <laughs> <laughs> guys, thank you so much for spending time with
4: us. It was super exciting. And please
1: release—I know I'm going to put this—please release Karma to your
0: record label. Deal label. Yeah. Turns it up, It's, it's a, that's right. Use your ears.
1: The guys from Years and Years hanging out of the Kelly Alexander Show.
0: The Kelly Alexander Show.
1: Thank you for spending time with us on the show this week. Please make sure you grab all of our social media handles by jumping onto our website, KellyAlexanderShow.com, so you can stay up to date with all the latest. As per the happenings of the big show Joining us on the line right now Is our music editor, Sharon Highland. You love that, you were giggling in, in fact I <laughs> am, yeah, um, I got my hands on my handles Yeah, exactly <laughs> Great So uh, this week we are going to chat About the return of one of Canada's uh, Most beloved rocker chicks And I say that with all kinds of respect Because she is a rocker chick And uh, you know, she's had a very tough road The last five years uh, Because she's been battling Lyme disease Which uh, took her away from releasing new music, and she uh, was basically just trying to survive, it sounds like, uh, trying to get through this uh, this really terrible ordeal. So, uh, Sharon, I'll start by asking you if you have sort of been following uh, Avril Lavigne's health crisis uh, online, because um, I would say off and on for years, we'd sort of hear snippets that things were not good, but I think most of us didn't know just how bad it had got for her. Um,
4: I, I can't say that I've been following along. Um, I knew that she was uh, fighting the good fight and trying to stay healthy and just work through it. But I can't say that note for note, I knew exactly what was happening. Um, but I am stoked for her that she's got uh, this new album out and uh, and that she seems to be on the uh, the good side of things.
1: Yeah, so earlier this fall, she released uh, that first single off the uh, the new album. Uh, it's called "Head Above Water," and in an interview, she says that she was inspired to write the lyrics and and sort of basically crafted that whole idea for that song when she was lying in bed with her mother beside her, taking care of her. Because you know, in those moments, uh, she actually thought she was dying from her Lyme disease because the symptoms were so terrible. And uh, Avril has said that sort of at that time, she'd come to peace with actually passing away and had become closer to God uh, because of the whole thing. And so I wanted to ask you what you think of the song. To me, I think she nailed it. It's uh, it's a great song for her to sing. It sounds like she, you know, lived it and is living it or, or whatever. So it feels like it's definitely a part of her.
4: It seems to me that she's uh, right on track with where she always was, which is that she has this great ability to sound uh, connected to the subject. Whatever she's writing about, she's in it. Yet at the same time, she maintains this youthful approach to it. So on the song itself, she sounds mature. uh, But in any of the uh, interviews that we've read recently, (laughs) she sounds um, perfectly youthful. (laughs) Yep, I would go with that. (laughs) Like 34 years old, which is amazing that, uh, I mean, she's still obviously young. She's vibrant. She's able. She's creative. She's uh, interested in making new music. And to think that she's come to a point where uh, where she once thought, oh, well, this is all over. It's nice that she's able to channel that, uh, channel her vibe and still make it um, not just, uh, she's not necessarily appealing to one genre, not, not a genre, but she's not appealing to one age group. She's, uh, she's grown quite uh, quite properly into an artist that will be able to make music for a long time.
1: Yeah, did you see or I guess hear when Taylor Swift brought her out at one of those concert dates a couple of years ago? Because remember she was bringing out everybody, like all the all the people that I think yeah. she thought was cool. So one of those dates, I think it was actually in California, uh, she brought out Avril to sing "Complicated" with her, um, which it's was pretty, pretty cool. cool. Yeah. Like- which is cool Can you believe that song's already like I don't know if it's 18 years old or something It's 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 getting up there It's crazy
4: and It's nuts That time flies so
1: fast Yeah, because I still think she's 17 And she still looks like she's 17 To be honest with you Like she looks great It's true yeah, she yep, looks fantastic. Right. Um, so the other thing I wanted to ask you about with regards to her is her last full album came out in 2013, which was actually um, self-titled. And so she's mm-hmm. kind of been away from the album game and, and for the most part music too, I would say, uh, for the past five years. What are you expecting from her new material? Um, and do you think it's it's going to be something that is going to be mainstream relevant again? Because it's supposed to drop. It was supposed to drop before the end of 2018, but now it's it sounds like it's coming out first quarter of 2019.
4: I would... Uh, I would... Bet and feel safe in doing so uh, that she'll be as relevant as she ever was, because she writes honestly and she performs honestly and it and uh, and seemingly lives honestly too. She's true to herself, she respects her fans and um, and she's interested, which I think um, sounds uh, like a, a weird thing to say, but you can tell when someone's interested in in life and living and doing and creating, she seems like that to me.
1: Um, in this interview that she did with Billboard recently, she let it be known that her Avril Levine Foundation is actually taking up the fight against Lyme disease. Uh, she already has some initiatives in play to try and raise money uh, to provide funding and education. And, and it sounds like even sort of um, extra effort on top of that to sort of help people uh, get through it, I guess, by doing creative type things. That that also sounds like it's part of her foundation. Um, she also said in this particular interview that she wishes that she didn't have to take this on because she doesn't want to sort of, of keep reliving the Lyme disease situation that she's been going through. But she feels now that it's her responsibility to educate and spread the word to help other people.
4: And that's a fully human uh, feeling to convey, because obviously you wouldn't want to relive it for yourself. But to recognize that she has the power to affect change in a really positive way for many other people, then that's, uh, there, she'll be successful for the rest of her life just for having done that, I think.
1: I think so, too. Uh, Sharona, thank you so much for this, as always.
4: Kelly, it's a pleasure.
1: <laughs> uh, that is our music editor, Sharon Highland. Of course, you can listen to Sharon and I host our other show, our other podcast, uh, which is called 90s Now. And you will have so much fun listening to all the 90s and the now all mixed <laughs> up together, especially when we talk about Crystal Waters and CeCe Peniston. And you can uh, check all of us out on 90snow.com or on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play and Spotify.
4: The Kelly Alexander Show, bringing you fresh sounds like this.
0: What the
1: There you have it, new music from the Backstreet Boys called Chances, which is a song co-written by hit songwriter Ryan Tedder, lead singer of One Republic and Canada's own pop powerhouse Sean Mendes. Now this song getting tons of positive reviews and more good news from BSB, they've announced the new album DNA drops on January 25th and they'll be heading out on tour to support the album in 2019. That's English DJ, record producer, songwriter and remixer Jonas Blue. He has just released his long awaited debut album called Blue and uh, it's got a lot of great collaborations including artists like Jesse Reyes, Liam Payne and Joe Jonas from DNCE and the song that you are hearing is his collaboration with Joe called I See Love. Now this song was actually featured in the Hotel Transylvania 3 animated movie that came out this past summer. I'll
0: be a strong man, I'll be a west coast I'll be the sun, I'll be the waves, I'll be
1: the one you love the most Grammy award-winning band Imagine Dragons are back with their fourth studio album called Origins Now, Origins was actually conceived as a sister album to their previous album, Evolve, which dropped back in June of 2017. Now, about this new album, lead singer Dan Reynolds says, it's about seeking new ground, but also appreciating your roots. And the song you're hearing is called West Coast, and I think showcases that even though Imagine Dragons are known as a rock band, they are not afraid to expand their sound using some country influences, particularly in this track.
4: New music on The Kelly Alexander Show.
1: Please remember that The Kelly Alexander Show is available for you on many different podcast platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. And we'd really appreciate it if you would take a moment to rate us. Now, we're super excited right now to welcome to the show Canadian jazz artist Andrea Superstein. Andrea has recently released her new album called Worlds Apart and is here to tell us all about it. Andrea, welcome to The Kelly Alexander Show. Thank you. So, first of all, we were discussing off air that we have a connection in the fact that we are both from Montreal, even though you now live out west.
3: Yes, Montreal, born and raised, and um, very proud of that. And I still feel really connected to Montreal. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that as uh, our conversation goes on. So actually,
1: uh, I wanted to ask you, with regards to your music career, did you get that sense of of being a part of the jazz community in Montreal? Because we have a huge jazz scene, as you would know.
3: So uh, is that where it all started? Um, I I wasn't really ready for jazz, I don't think, but when I was living in Montreal. But I, I definitely feel like I couldn't help but be influenced by the amazing cultural scene in Montreal and also like growing up in the jazz festival and going to see shows. I mean, many, many years, many summers I spent um, checking out music at the Jazz Fest. So I wasn't quite making my own jazz music at that point, but for sure it's had a huge influence. Uh, on me in later years. So, when did you actually
1: make the move out west? And is that where things got kick started, or did you start in another genre of music
3: before jazz became a thing? Yeah, so I started actually in musical theater when I was young and through high school in Montreal, and uh, even um, when I was in university at McGill. And um, as a student at McGill, I kind of picked up the whole singer songwriter vibe. I'd play in bars that probably don't exist anymore, you know, me and my guitar. So definitely, like, I've had um, a musical thread throughout my life, but um, jazz didn't really happen until I came out to Vancouver, and it was really inadvertent, actually. I was um, in graduate school, and I was really missing music. So I joined a choir, and um, it wasn't exactly my thing, um, but there were some other people in the choir that were super cool. So we decided to defect and we started our own girls group. It was kind of like an a cappella quartet. Like uh, we had, you know, it was kind of kitschy costumes and dance moves and stuff. And in rehearsals, some of the girls would bring these pieces to the table and they would say, Oh, I did this song with my jazz choir, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't really know too much about jazz. Like I knew Nina Simone, Ella Fitzgerald, like some big names, you know? Um, but I'm like, wow, that's a jazz song? I didn't know that was a jazz song, but I know that from The Music Man, for example. And so it was like this crazy collision of worlds where I finally realized that a lot of the jazz standards from the Great American Songbook are actually the songs that I knew from musical theater. And so as soon as that epiphany happened, I'm like, okay, I could really, I could really see myself doing this thing. And so... I just spent the next couple of years really learning hundreds of standards and jamming, um, and that's kind of where where things all started for me in Vancouver. And do you play any physical instruments? Um, not publicly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I play the ukulele, which has uh, been brought out in from time to time in shows, but um, it's kind of been put to the side for now. And when I'm writing music, I usually um, just you know, kind of plunk out some things on the piano, but I I don't play anything Um, in performances. I really like to be able to focus on vocals and also being able to create a connection with the audience. And I feel like the best way that I can do that is not having to, necessarily hide behind an instrument where I can just be fully engaged with the crowd.
1: And when you're creating your songs, how important is it for you to actually be a writer as opposed to just either recording someone else's songs or just continuing with standards?
3: Um, That's a great question. I definitely started off, like, my very first record was just Interpretations of Standards, and that was great for that particular point in my musical career. And my last record, I started you know, doing jazzified arrangements of pop songs. And there were a couple of original pieces um, on my last record. But this time around, yeah, it was really important for me to push myself musically um, and compose my own music. So the majority of the work on world's apart is original music. And um, yeah, I I think there's still a place for standards for sure. Um, For me at this point, In my career, what I'm interested in right now is being able to express myself more honestly, I think, through lyrics and music as well. So it's been a really exciting process and definitely shed some light on some things that I'd I'd like to start working on uh, for the future. Joining us on
1: The Kelly Alexander Show is Canadian jazz musician Andrea Superstein. Make sure you hit up her website for her social media handles, andreasuperstein.com. So, you mentioned Worlds Apart, which is your latest album. So, can you explain the title and then also sort of describe the the album? Is it thematic? Is it a collection of songs? Like, what do you want people to take away from it?
3: Sure. So, there's uh, quite a few meanings to the title. Um, It all started with... my challenges with accepting the rate at which technology is progressing. So I think you know we've come a long way as a society in terms of technological advances in medicine and science, et cetera. Um, and those are all wonderful and beautiful things. And you know, like we can connect to so many different people and places in the world, even just with our tiny little phones. And in some ways, that's wonderful. But what I noticed, you know, when I was even driving around that. I notice that people always have their faces in their phones. Even crossing the street, people are, you know, like Snapchatting or FaceTiming with somebody. And, like, I just think that's completely crazy that we're able to, you know, connect with the other side of the world. And yet somehow, sometimes we miss connecting with the people who are right in front of us or right around us. And so there's this really weird disconnect where we have the ability to connect with so many people and so many things. And yet, for some reason, we've never felt more alone. Um there's even a, a Ministry of Loneliness that's been developed in the UK because they foresee that as being one of the, the biggest social problems in the, in the future. So that disconnect is something that really interested me as I was uh, pursuing this project. So a lot of the music and a lot of the lyrics tell stories about either, you know, disconnection or connection and thinking about how can we, in such a disconnected world, how can we find that intersection where we feel happiness or we feel inner peace or we feel um like we are living a beautiful life so that was the crux of the ideas behind the music and um on top of that all of the music was written and composed in Vancouver but it was recorded in Montreal and so those two cities could not be more opposite from each other and um I live in Vancouver but you know as we mentioned that at the top of the segment, I grew up in Montreal, and Montreal still plays a very huge part of my existence, and I really feel like my heart is still there. Um, and so being able to reconcile, you know, <laughs> living in Vancouver but still being a Montrealer is challenging, and then sometimes being back in Montreal with a lot of my new Vancouver vibe <laughs> can, be, can be, like, a bit tricky to navigate. Um, and so there was that, and uh, Elizabeth Shepherd who produced the record is in Montreal. And so we had a lot of back and forth using technology, ironically, uh, (laughs) to work on these arrangements. And so there's that level of things as well. And then also, I think also um, there are multiple languages on the record, you know, again, being a Montrealer, it's really important for me to have French repertoire and This album, um, there's a couple of tunes in French, one of which I composed, uh, and there's also a piece in Hebrew. And so I think just kind of having all of those different elements, what I really tried to do is, although sometimes it feels like we are so apart from each other, what I really tried to do was be able to bring those together. (laughs) So, really, you know, worlds together, hopefully through the music. So, there's definitely a thematic thread throughout the record. And um, I hope that people can feel that when they listen to it. We spend a lot of time curating the order of songs so that it's not just like a piecemeal thing or just a single that we want people to listen to. I really um, hope that people will listen to the album from top to bottom because uh, it takes the listener on a journey. And ultimately, that's what I feel like music does. And that's what I really wanted to focus on. With this project, that's very impressive
1: because I know in certain uh, genres of music these days, it really is about the single as opposed to the whole opus or the whole work, if you will. A lot of a lot of pop stars aren't even doing albums anymore; they just keep popping out singles. So um, it's always impressive to me to know that somebody still wants to do an album, and the fact that you even mentioned that you spent time sequencing the album to make sure that story is told is fantastic. So uh, congratulations on that. That's amazing.
3: Thank you so much. Uh,
1: Now that the album has actually been released, and I know, because I'm my my own worst critic, so I'm assuming that goes the same for most other people, um, (laughs) is uh, is the album everything you you hoped it would be?
3: Um, Yeah, I feel really proud of what we did. I think if you ask any musician, there are always things that I hear after the fact that I think, oh, you know, we could have just done this or added this or changed this, or I would like to tweak that note a little bit. Um, For sure, I definitely have things like that, but I think the beautiful thing about an album is that we get to play with the music in live performance, so all the things that I wish we had done for one particular piece, we get to do live, and I think that's really um, part of my process as an artist is to be able to offer recorded music, but to also be able to offer a live performance that is somehow different than just popping in the CD or listening to it in your playlist. So we definitely, um, on the BC leg of the tour last week, we definitely played with opening up the songs a lot so that, again, we're deepening that experience that people have when they come to a show. And also I'm able to talk a little bit about the ideas and the concepts behind each piece because I think it's, it's really important that it's not just a concert kind of with the fourth wall where, you know, we play the music, we don't engage with the audience, um, and then the show's done and everybody goes home. For me, the most beautiful thing about music is being able to experience it. I'm really trying to evoke a variety of emotions in each of the pieces, and to be able to talk to people after um, the gig, or even just to explain some of the ideas behind the music during the performance. Um, I find really creates a magical experience, and um, it's nice to be able to have that um, that interplay
1: with with a live show. Do you have specific goals set for yourself for the next six months to a year?
3: (laughs) Of course I do. I'm
1: not sure if they'll be achieved, but
3: I'm really hoping to um, just extend our touring as much as possible. We had such a fantastic time on this first leg. Um, So for me, playing the music and getting the music out there is definitely my number one priority. So i um, hoping to come back to Quebec and Ontario to do some touring in the spring. And then um, hopefully if the record is successful in Japan, where it was released in the summer and in Europe, where it will be released later on this fall, that we'll be able to have um, some touring opportunities out there. I really want to focus on, um, yeah, just sharing the love of this project in the next 12 months before I think about what's next after this.
1: What's it like being not only an artist, but also a businesswoman? Because I know, and I've said this before on my show, so my audience is not going to be surprised when I say this, but you know, I don't only have to be the host and the executive producer. Like I have to be the promoter and all that stuff that comes along with it. And so I'm assuming that's um, a lot of the same work goes to you to, to, to really take hold of your career. Is it hard putting on both hats? Cause I know there's many days that I just want to interview people. Like if I could do that all day long, I'd be happy <laughs> instead of having to do the business aspect of things.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm learning as I go, for sure. (laughs) Um, As an artist, even still, there's a lot of hats to wear in terms of, you know, like, relaying information to the band and managing the tour and planning the tour and negotiating with venues, um, along with, you know, creating the music, practicing myself, printing charts, taping them, you know, all of those things. So for sure, it's a lot of balls to juggle. And I feel like, the more, um, I guess, the deeper I get into the business, the more I'm learning about the actual business. So, yeah, I, I think maybe it would have been cool to take a business course back <laughs> in the university um, to help me out, but I'm definitely learning on my feet. And thankfully, for the most part, um, it's been, you know, really great experiences so far.
1: I have to ask this, as as someone who has lived in Montreal and then lived, you know, in Toronto for a while and then decided to come back, do you think you'll ever come back to Montreal full-time?
3: Well, I really want to. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to make it happen. Um, My family, like, you know, my partner and my child are here, so we're kind of set up here a little bit. Um, But we we will be coming back for a couple of months in the spring so that I can focus on them. writing some music and doing some more professional development in that, uh, in that realm. So I'm hoping that they will also love it enough that we can consider staying for a longer period of time because Montreal is such a special place. And I think I knew it when I lived there, but I realize it even more when I'm gone. So, um, you know, there's such a thriving music scene in Montreal and there's just such a A beautiful pulse to the city that um, doesn't necessarily exist in Vancouver, although Vancouver has some really other beautiful things. Um, I think just overall, Montreal is such a unique and special place. So if we're not going to come back permanently, I really do intend on spending um, a lot of time there nonetheless
1: perfect well I, I hope you do because obviously as you and I both know Montreal is such a hot ground a breeding ground for jazz artists and, and we support you guys so much here so I really hope it, it does uh, it does happen for you and uh, before Thank I let you. you go I did just want to sort of ask what you want people to know the most about you uh, who might be listening from all over the world uh, that listen to the podcast
3: um, I I mean what I really am hoping is that people you know listen to the music and can relate to the music and understand it and get a little bit of a glimpse of who I am as an artist, and um, and really that's it. I just want to share the music, love, and um, whatever that looks like, however that, however that happens. It's really um, that's really my goal. I just want to keep keep making music with wonderful people. And,
1: That sounds good to me. Andrea, thank you so much for spending time with us on the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you. It's my pleasure. That's Canadian jazz musician, Andrea Superstein. You can hit up her website for her social media handles, andreasuperstein.com. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us on the program this week. We always appreciate it. Thank you as well to our guests, years and years, and Andrea Superstein. Also a shout out to our super producer, Adam Brisson, for keeping us on the rails. And don't forget that you can follow us on all of our social media by hitting up our website, kellyalexandershow.com. Have an amazing week. You and I will chat soon.